I want to talk to you today, defining moments for the last time, the defining moment of when you decide whether or not Jesus will be your teacher. Now that may sound strange to a church full of Christians, but uh, not really. Let's look at what the Bible says. At this point, this is John chapter 6, at this point many of his disciples turned away and they deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and he asked them this, are you also going to leave? And look what Peter said, Master, to whom would we go? You have the words of real life, eternal life. We've already committed ourselves, confident that you are the Christ, the Holy One of God. Father, thank you for your word today, and I pray that you will root and ground us in the word of the living God, that our faith will not be blown about, will not be taken down in a storm, but Lord, that our house will stand. We thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Let me, um, first of all, thank you for the, the piano player and uh, Vance playing the, what was that, the cello? What was this? It was good. Now, we've been talking the last three weeks about defining moments. A defining moment is a decision or an event that changes the direction of your life. That's a defining moment. We all have them. A, a decision or an event that changes the direction of your life. And I want to tell you, you can't have an encounter with Jesus without that becoming a defining moment. When we have an encounter with God, an encounter with Jesus Christ, an encounter with His Holy Spirit, it changes the direction of our life. But now, in this passage we just read, there was a large crowd following Jesus. Matter of fact, 5,000 people. And the Bible says that He began to teach some things they did not understand. And because they didn't understand what he was saying, his words actually were misunderstood and offended them. And the Bible says that a defining moment arrived because all of a sudden 4,988 people, all but the 12, just kind of looked at each other and walked away from the Lord, just left him. And leaving the disciples standing there, they had a defining moment. And here's what their defining moment was. And I want to tell you, church, this defining moment will happen for every one of us at some juncture in life when you've got to make a major decision, when a major storm strikes your life, when a major temptation comes your way, and you've got to decide that road divides and you've got to decide which way to go you've really actually got to decide who is going to be my teacher because these people said well we don't understand him his word offends us and they walked away from him they left him as their teacher and the disciples had to make up their mind well are we going to walk away also or is this man this Jesus our teacher in life now let me tell you what I mean by teacher. I don't mean somebody standing by a blackboard with chalk teaching you something. When I say teacher, I mean they had to decide who would teach them about living, about love, about morals, about sexuality, about ethics, 
about family, about God, and every other key issue of life. Who's going to be your teacher? Who's going to teach you about those things? Who are you going to access as your primary teacher about morals, love, living, sexuality, ethics, family, God, eternity, heaven, hell, life? Who's going to be your teacher? Now, it may surprise you to know that Jesus not only preached that he is our Lord, but Jesus also preached that he is our teacher. He didn't just come to get us to heaven. He came to teach us how to live on this earth. Listen to this verse. He said in John's gospel, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Do you hear that? The two-pronged ministry of Jesus in any life is not just your Savior, but he's your teacher. Not just your rescuer, but he is your instructor. He's your counselor. He's your guide. He's your primary philosopher. He is the one who teaches you how to live life and live living. And about every important issue and aspect of life, Jesus said, you have called me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because I'm both. I'm your Lord. I'm your master. But I'm also your teacher. Now, isn't that interesting that he would say that? Because, you know, most people... If I were to go up out on the street and say, what do you think about Jesus? Here's how, what they would tell me about Jesus. Well, he's the one who forgives you of your sins, and he's going to get us to heaven someday. He's, he's, he's sort of that mystical individual that you put your faith in and take care of the sin issue, and when you die, he takes you to heaven. And that's the way I see Jesus. Very few of them would say, well, he's not only my Savior, but he's my teacher. He's my teacher in life and living. We do not view him as having the practical day-to-day -day wisdom needed for living life here on earth. That's not the way we see him. We see Jesus as otherworldly. We see him as kind of out there in space somewhere. And someday with long hair and a beard and flaming eyes and a long white gown, he's going to come and take us to heaven. But Jesus said, no, 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 you're right when you call me your Lord, your Savior, and your teacher. Now perk up and listen again to what Jesus said. He said, you call me teacher and Lord? You're right. Now he's talking to his disciples. You're right because that's what I am. I want to teach you how to live. I want to teach you in your decision making. I want to guide you in the major and minor decisions of life. I want to be there for you as your teacher. Now here's what defining moments do. They, they present us with the same decision the disciples were presented with when all these people walked away from the Lord. They had to make up their mind. Who's going to be my teacher? Is he going to be my teacher? Or is somebody else going to be my teacher in life? It says from that time many of his disciples went back. Listen to what happened. They went back and walked with him no more. Are you listening, church? They were gone for the rest of their life. They walked with him no more, never again. What a sad statement. This was a defining moment for this crowd. Here's what they said. Hey, they said it's time to walk away. Don't understand him. I don't get it. His word's offending me. And they never followed him again. Now what happened to their eternal soul? I don't know. 
I, I can't judge that. I don't know that. I'm not God. But I can tell you that they walked away and never walked with him again. The rest of their life is not good news for them. They rejected him as their teacher. When he was feeding the multitudes, raising the dead, opening blind eyes, they thought he was cool to follow. But when it came to his teaching, they stumbled over it. They didn't like what they heard. And they walked away and walked with him no more. And here's the bottom line. If Jesus can't be your teacher, you will not long be his disciple. Because disciple means learner. Somebody who sits at the feet of another and learns from them. That's what a disciple is. So he's got to be not just your savior, but your teacher. Now as the crowd walked away, and like I said last week, that's a bad day in the pulpit. When you're teaching 5,000 people and 4,988 get up and walk out, leaving 12 with you, that's a bad day in the pulpit. You'd have to pray for me. You'd have to get me off the cement with a skillet or with a spatula if that happened to me. That'd be like me preaching right now and every one of you got up but about four of you and walked out. That's a bad day in the pulpit. But now look what they said. Jesus said to his disciples, his 12, he said, do you also want to go away? And Peter looked at him and said, Lord, where shall we go? Now, what he's talking about is the context of him being a teacher. Where else are we going to go? Who else are we going to go to as our teacher? Who else is going to tell us the truth about life and living and morality and ethics? Who else is going to guide us, Lord? And then he gave two great reasons to never walk away from Jesus. He said, first of all, you alone, you only, you exclusively have the words of real life, eternal life. Talking about his teaching. You alone, not anybody else, no other philosopher, no Greek philosopher, no Roman philosopher, no Oriental philosopher, nobody else, Lord, has the words of real life, real living, eternal life but you. And the second reason is we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, where else can we go but to you? There's not another person, Lord, on all of earth, not another person who teaches the way to real life and living, but you, and the way to eternal life, but you. Now, if Peter was accurate in what he said, I'm going to ask you a question today. How crazy would it be if he was accurate in what he said? You alone have the words of eternal life and real living while here on earth, both for here and hereafter. If you alone have them, and you are the real Christ, the Son of the living God, then how crazy is it? For us to go to anyone or anything else for guidance, instruction, counsel, understanding, philosophy, and truth. Amen. Now let me ask you a million dollar question today. Now I want you to listen very carefully and I want you to think when I say this. Here's the question. Who is your teacher? I mean, really your teacher who do you allow to speak into your life words of counsel and instruction and explanation and wisdom and guidance about morality sexuality ethics life living marriage singleness God heaven hell who is your teacher. 
I want to give you an undeniable, irrefutable fact of life today. Here it is. Are you ready? Absolutely true. You are somebody's disciple right now. You are somebody's disciple right now. Somebody is teaching you about life and living right now. You are being discipled by someone this very moment. You have learned in the past how to live. You have been taught how to live. And you are presently learning how to live from somebody, somewhere, from some source. You're being taught about life. Now let me ask you, who is really your teacher? Let me tell you what one of the great battles in life is. Here's one of the great battles in life, and it's happening right now, this very moment, inside your own head. It is a battle over who is going to be your teacher. Because whoever your teacher is, whoever you look to for life, living, instruction, and morality, ethics, and everything else that matters in life, whoever your teacher is, is the one who's going to decide where you end up and how you live your life. Because whatever you end up believing about life and living is exactly how you're going to live. Whoever finally teaches you about morality is how you're going to decide your morality. Whoever teaches you about money is how you're going to handle your money. Whoever teaches you about life and living is how you are going to wind up responding and acting and doing. So it matters incredibly who your teacher is. If Jesus isn't your primary teacher... The culture surrounding us right now and somebody in it will be. The music, the attitudes of people that you run into, the sitcoms on TV, the movies that Hollywood produces, books, magazines, it is everywhere. We are bombarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week by messages that claim to be true about life, living, God, heaven, hell, sex, and everything else. And the bottom line is, if Jesus is not your primary teacher, somebody in this wicked culture will be. Somebody's teaching you. You can't avoid it. Somebody's, somebody's reaching you and teaching you. Not only are you being taught, but you're catching the truth. Truth isn't just taught, it's caught. And everywhere around you are teachers seeking, seeking the primacy in your mind. From every direction they come, all day long, things that claim to be true are seeping into your consciousness. Now here's the deal. The fact is that through the years, you've been the disciple of several somebodies. It all began with mom and dad. Now, whether mom and dad were, were Christians or not, or godly or not, I don't know. But I do know this, that your very first teachers uh, were your parents. And they discipled you. The first few years of, their li of your life, they discipled you. Next came your school teachers. Your school teachers, nowadays, they don't just teach you reading, writing, and arithmetic. They teach values. They teach morality. I should say they teach immorality. They teach evil. They teach wickedness. They are teaching secular humanism. They are reaching into the minds of children. We get these children about an hour a week. The culture gets them all week long, not just in school, but off of that idiot box called a television. 
You ought to watch some of the cartoons out now. They're going to teach the children values and morals and ethics and about God and about the earth and about everything. So next came your school teacher, but then the most potent of discipling relationships came along with your peers, those that you chose to be your friends, the people you ran around with and spent so much time talking to. That's why it is so important that you choose your friends wisely. You better choose who you run around with wisely because you're going to pick up from them values and morals and ethics and beliefs about God. They, it, that relationship will become a teacher in your life. And once you reach your late teens and early 20s, the teachers were probably college professors or high-profile, glamorous, powerful, and charismatic public figures like artists, musicians, or writers who grab your admiration and seize your attention. And you look at them, and whether you know it or not, you're being taught. You're being discipled. You're being led. You're being guided. And it's everywhere. Now, the acid test for whether or not the teaching you're getting is good and sound or bad and needs to be walked away from is never felt in the beginning. You never feel it or see it or experience the results of it in the beginning. You only see the quality of what you've been taught in the end. Who your teacher is today will decide the quality of your life tomorrow. Five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years down the road when the philosophies you have accepted as true come to full fruition. So it matters who teaches you. I'm telling you, church, today I came with a word from God. It matters who is your primary teacher. Jesus said, you called me teacher and Lord. And you're absolutely accurate because I'm both. I'm your teacher and I'm your Lord. Jesus told us that we would know them by their fruits, by the results they produce. And he also said, if you want to know the end result of my teaching in your life, I'll tell you the end result. It is life, joy, peace, and an indestructible life when the storms of life strike the house of your faith. You will be indestructible if I have been your teacher. Now, how can you know as a Christian that Jesus Christ is your primary teacher? There's a couple of ways you can know, and I want to share those with you today because we've got to know who our teacher is. Amen? I'm going to tell you, to the best of my ability, Jesus Christ is my primary teacher. I read his teachings all the time, and I read the Bible all the time. This book is the book of life. Do you know that Pastor Jason back there in the youth department, somebody gave me a Bible that when you open it up, the inside had been cut out. And there were some batteries in it and some lights. And when you open up the Bible, the light shines in your face. But Jason, Pastor Jason, got one that when you open it up, a real fire comes out. I said, man, I want that because, because that's how I feel when I open up the Word of God. I feel the fire of the anointing and the presence of God. That's why Jeremiah said his Word was in my heart like a raging fire. And I could not shut up. I had to tell his word. So this is a supernatural word. It is God giving us all the teaching, all the philosophy, guidance, instruction, and counsel we need for every issue in life. 
But now, how can you know if Jesus Christ is your primary teacher? You say you're a child of God. You say you've been born again. You say that you're washed in the blood and you're going to heaven and you have faith with God and you've got peace with God. But still, that doesn't mean he's your primary teacher because the culture might be winning the battle with you and not Jesus. So how do you know he's your primary teacher? Very simple. Here's the first way. Whether or not you prioritize time with him. How can you know that Jesus Christ is your primary teacher? If you bother to prioritize time with him. You've got to make him, listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. If I'm going to learn from somebody, there is one thing I absolutely must do. There's no way getting around it. If I want to learn from somebody, I've got to be with them. See, if you want to learn from me, you can't do it. You can't do it by telepathy. You're going to have to get up, get dressed, get in the car, and come to church and listen to what I've got to say. And, and to the best of my ability, I'm teaching you what the Bible has to say. But see, you've got to spend time with me. And if, and if I want to learn from somebody, I've got to spend time with them. I've got to set aside time for them. I've got to prioritize them. I've got to calendarize them. I've got to make them a part of my life. Because if I don't sit and listen to them, how in the world am I going to be taught by them? And if I'm not taught by them, I'm going to be taught by somebody. Say, so, Pastor, I just don't have time. Don't tell me that. Don't even say that to me. Because I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me, and I know what I feel when I hear people say, I don't have time for God. If you don't have time for God, you're too busy, friend. You got time to fill your car up with gas? You got time to stop somewhere and eat? You got time to go to the football game when it's sleeting, snowing, raining, blowing, ice cold. You got time to do anything you want to do. You've got time to be with God. Oh, but it's the kids. It's the bills. It's the money. It's all the busyness. Listen, you have control over one thing, and that is yourself. And you've got to learn to say no and walk away from some things. Turn off that stupid television. Put down People magazine. Walk away from that telephone. Turn it off. Unplug it. If you notice, when you decide to get with God, the phone rings. The dogs go crazy. The kids come home. There is clamor and rattling and noise. And the devil does anything to keep you from being with God. You know why? He doesn't want Jesus to be your primary teacher. He doesn't want you receiving the Word of God. So I'm going to have to prioritize time if I'm going to be with him. And I've got to be with him if I'm going to be taught by him. Jesus gave us a first thing. Now, if Jesus says this has got to be first in your life and he's my primary teacher, then there is no question I'm making first in my life because that's what the teacher told me to do. He said Christianity won't even work if you don't prioritize your relationship with him. Seek first the kingdom of God, he said. Seek the kingdom of God first above all else. He didn't say only. He said first. Jesus requires first place priority on your to-do list. And that's all there is to it. Now, if you don't prioritize being with Jesus, he will not remain the primary teacher of your life. If you don't prioritize time with him. If you don't set aside some time and say, this is when I'm going to be with God. This is when I'm going to close the door, get alone, get quiet, 
open up the Bible, pray, let him talk to me, read what he said, think about what he counseled, think about what he instructed, and apply it to my life, then he's not my primary teacher. I'm saved. I'm going to go to heaven when I die, but I won't go as gracefully. I won't go as graciously. I might even go sooner than he wanted me to if I don't live the way he wants me to live. How am I going to know what he wants if I don't let him teach me? Someone or something else will fill a position if you don't set aside time and prioritize time with God. Now the problem is that today we have in the church all kinds of people who accept Jesus as their Savior, but they do not prioritize spending quality time with Him as His disciples. They got their ticket to heaven. They got their ticket to ride. And when the rapture comes, they're going up. And that's really all they were concerned about. But the bottom line is, He didn't just come to get you to heaven. That once you're saved, He wants to take you aside and say, now let's go for a walk and let's talk and let me teach you. Let me teach you about life and living and morality and God and the way things work and the way they don't work. Let me make sense of this mess to you. Let me tell I read this recently. Analysts, they, they did an, uh, an analysis of Facebook. And they found that the number of national minutes, think about this, the number of national minutes spent on Facebook increased from 1.7 billion minutes in 2008 to 13.9 billion minutes in 2009. That means minutes spent on Facebook by Americans. Now, I know no Christians are on Facebook, but I'm telling you this so you can go witness to lost folks. <laughs> that from 2008 and 2009... The number of minutes spent on Facebook jumped 6 billion minutes, which is 700% growth in Facebook. I got another Facebook for you. The Bible says that when you open up this word, it's a book. <laughs> let, me, let me talk to you. The Bible says this, that when you open up this book, you see his face. When you open up this book... You are changed from glory to glory and faith to faith, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So if you want to spend some real Facebook time, put down the computer and open up the real Facebook. Here's the Facebook. You see his face. And when you see his face, you are changed into the same image from glory to glory, transformed. That's why the Bible says don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How is my mind renewed when I open up the Facebook, the Bible, that when I open up that book, I see His face and I'm changed. We're great on Facebook, but we're not great on FaceTime with Jesus and the Word of God. Now, why should we be concerned about this? Why should it even matter? Here's why. Because your spiritual, moral, and mental survival depend on it. Your moral, spiritual, and mental survival depend on being in the Word of God. How much more serious can we make it today? Your moral, spiritual, and mental survival depend on spending time in the Facebook. Listen to Jesus from the Message Bible. He said, quote, It takes more than bread to stay alive. 
It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth to stay alive. If I want to stay alive, and I'm talking about mentally, if I want to stay alive morally, if I want to stay alive spiritually, how's it going to happen? It is by a steady stream of the words of God coming into my consciousness. And the only one that can make that happen is you. Nobody can force feed you. You've got to do it yourself. In another place, Jesus told the crowds, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life making. When you read the word of God, it creates life in you. You know, some of you, I can tell you've been out in the sun. You walk in, you're a little bit red or a little bit browner. I can see that. And we can tell you've been in the sun. We can tell you've had sun time. We can tell that you got out there and you worked or you sat by a pool and you just can't wait to get out there and go ahead and burn your skin up. And, and we know when you've been in the sun. Let me tell you something. We know when you've been with the sun. We know when you've been with Jesus. Because there is a peace, there is a joy, there is a skip in your step, there is a gleam in your eye, there is a smile on your face, there is an energy, there is a glow. And we can tell you've had sun time. We can tell. The day the kingdom of God takes second or third or fourth or last place in your life is the day that you're going to begin to drift away from him. Now, I don't mean going into some terrible dark sin. That may happen. But I mean drift away in your heart, drift away, your heart becoming cool, your heart becoming lukewarm, the first love going away. You've got to keep the fire stoked by spending time in the Facebook. You've got to keep the fire stoked by sun time. You've got to spend time with him or you're not going to be tanned. Now, the second way we know that Jesus is not just our Savior, but is also our teacher, by whether your lifestyle is submitted to his word. See, a lot of people just want that ticket to ride, like I said. They just want to get to heaven, want to know they're going to heaven when they die, and it stops there. And you don't see their lifestyle much affected by their profession of faith in Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you something. You know he's your teacher if your lifestyle is being affected. I can always tell by just how far the Lord Jesus has gotten into somebody's life. I can, I can tell. I can tell how far he's penetrated into the soul and the, the marrow of their life by how they respond to God's Word. I can tell. Do they submit to the Word even when it hurts or do they go their own way when there's a tough decision and there's that fork in the road and a defining moment arises? Is Jesus going to be my teacher or am I going to follow my own way? And if they go their own way, I realize they've never really connected because really there is no Savior without teacher. A recent poll by George Barna blew my mind. Listen to this. In spite of the fact that most Americans consider themselves to be Christian, just one out of every six adults polled claim they make moral choices based on the content of the Bible. One in six people who say they're Christian said they made moral choices based on the content of the Bible. 
That's, to me, staggering. You know what that says to me? A lot of people see him as Savior, but as teacher, he's not being heard. He's not being accessed. He's not being asked. He's not being approached. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? Do you know in the 92 verses in the Sermon on the Mount, 15 of the 92 verses emphasize the importance of doing what it says? See, a word undone is no word at all. A word not acted on is a wasted word. If you don't do what the Word of God says, you might as well not listen to it. When I first got saved, I came out of the drug culture. I had hair down to here. I was skinny as a rail. Wore my bell-bottom blue jeans and the whole bit. Just a hippie. Wire rim glasses. And I got saved. I got really saved. I mean, Jesus really touched my life. And I knew that I was going to heaven. But then a defining moment came pretty quick. And here's how it came. I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of friends from that lifestyle. A lot of friends from that world. I was uh, fairly popular with the group that I was with. I knew a lot of people in Richardson, Texas, where I grew up. Uh, uh, a lot of people knew who I was, and I knew who they were. And I had a lot of lifelong friends when I got saved. And there we were. We were, we were in the drug culture together and the rock and roll together and this, the, 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 you know, the whole hippie revolution together. But then I got saved. And what I found was a defining moment came up real quick about whether or not Jesus was going to be my teacher or just my Savior. Because my old friends started coming around, as they always will. They come around like dogs you fed once. You ever feed a dog one time? That dog considers you his best friend. You feed a dog one time, he's coming back. He knows your address. He knows your house. And he's got a way of looking at you. And I, I can't even look at that because I love dogs. Anybody that's mean to dogs, I don't even want to meet you. Now... Here they came, my old friends. And then I read the Bible, the teaching of my Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what I read. Don't become partners with those who reject God. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? What fellowship has light with darkness? Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. I read that. And I saw my old friends who I'd gone through all kinds of things with. And I had to make a decision. There was the defining moment. Is Jesus going to be more than my Savior? Is he going to be my teacher? Am I going to listen to him? Or am I going to go where my heart wants me to go? Where my uh, compassion and my kindness wants me to go? Because I don't want to reject my friends, my old friends. But I realized he's my top friend. He's my best friend. And if he's not your best friend, you're in trouble. Because somebody will gain supremacy over your heart if he's not your best friend. And so I had to make a decision. And I made it. I extracted myself from that group overnight. And I allowed God to give me brand new friends. And the old friends, they went on, still doing drugs, still messing up still destroying their lives. I went the way of the cross, and I walked away. And ask me if I'm glad that I did. If I had not left the old friends, I wouldn't have lasted a year in the things of God. There comes a time when the Word of God, the teacher, the great teacher, the Lord Jesus, 
is going to tell you to do something that's painful, that hurts, and you've got to make up your mind. Is he my teacher or just my Savior? I guarantee you, if you make him your teacher, you'll have life, living, joy, peace, solidity, stability, fulfillment, meaning, and purpose. He's got to be your teacher right now. Can we stand together? And that's just one example. I mean, one of hundreds of examples. Once I said Jesus come into my heart, he became my teacher in everything. And to this day, I seek him to be my teacher. Who's your teacher? Who's got your ear? Oprah? Some cultural icon? Does Jesus teach you? And if anybody says something that doesn't line up with him, do you walk away? Father, I just thank you right now that we have a teacher. In everything pertaining to life, his name is Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that teaching that leads us the narrow way right into life. Now, I want you to take a moment. I believe already hearing this message, you've realized whether or not he's your primary teacher. Whatever you've decided, can we say together as a church, Lord, right now, I crown you the teacher of my life in every issue, great and small. Can you do that right now? Take a moment and just say, Lord, you're my teacher. You're my teacher. I'm going to prioritize time with you. And I'm going to let your teaching influence my lifestyle. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you for the grace of God to follow you. Amen. If you needed this today, give him a hand of praise. Can you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.